What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, it's uh, Kyle Meredith. We're taking a uh, couple weeks off here from the uh, Kyle Meredith With podcast, but I wanted to thank you for uh, listening in this year by sharing some of our favorite interviews from 2023. We'll be back with brand new interviews on January 8th. But for now, let's revisit an extremely entertaining conversation with Andy Taylor, formerly of Duran Duran. Evening in London. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, and welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks, as always, for making your way here, checking out the series. Of course, you know what to do. If you, uh, if you like what you see, what you hear that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover the new ones at Spotify, Apple Podcast, at NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, some of my recent guests have included uh, Rat Boys, uh, the boy band Westlife. I had Tommy Stinson of The Replacements stop by, as did Jerry Harrison of Talking Heads to talk about their uh, uh, sort of reunion that's coming up. We talked to uh, producers uh, Lena Waithe and uh, Rishi Rajani about the documentary Being Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, let's see, Adina Menzel, The Hives, Barry Manilow, Fosia, Bethany Cosentino, and the filmmakers behind the movies They Clone Tyrone, Heart of Stone, and Landscape with Invisible Hand. That's just an example of what you get when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith With podcast. That's me, Kyle Meredith, today talking with Andy Taylor. The former Duran Duran guitarist is back with his first solo album of original material in 36 years. It's called Man's a Wolf to Man. 
Uh, we're going to dig into it. Uh, he'll tell us about how he first considered a power station reunion with John Taylor of Duran Duran uh, before ultimately deciding to focus on himself. Uh, we'll hear how his songwriting is recovering from, from what he says is a, a lifetime in pop, uh, that David Bowie's death had a major impact on his decision to return, and his thoughts on channeling music versus copying it. And he also draws on the parallel of this new set to the uh, politically charged lost Duran Duran album, uh, Reportage, uh, an album that's never been released, uh, simultaneously giving us the history of how the label held the band back from progressing artistically while also highlighting the uh, the new material that considers uh, the war in Ukraine, Brexit, uh, and as he says, the lack of protest songs and pop music while the likes of Jason Aldean and Anthony Oliver fill that spot in country. All that, and I promise a whole lot more. We're talking man's a wolf to man. It's Kyle Meredith with Andy Taylor. Good evening, afternoon. Good evening, afternoon to you as well. Congrats on this record, this really poignant, uh, at times heavy album, um, and very fun album uh, at other times. Uh, first off, I should just say that congratulations. It's really been a joy to listen to this. Thank you. I take every compliment at my age in a way that I may not have taken them when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Compliments are hard. I agree. They yeah, agree. they are. They're harder. The older you get, the harder they are to come by. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't hurt, by the way. I know everybody's done the math on this one because when we think about well, when was the last time that Andy put out a solo record and you start calculating that up and 33 years since the last one, 36 since the last of originals. Yeah. I'm going to start in the easy place. What brought it on? What was the impetus of starting this set? When I was 56, so that would be seven years ago, I got a call from Hartwick, the CEO of BMG Records. And BMG had just kind of been reconstituted. Um, and he called me up and he said he, he was really knew so much about my career and Duran and all my, everything I'd done, all the production work. And he said, you know, I'd love you to make a record for the label. And I'm thinking, a record? <laughs> well, and he just said, whatever you want to do. Maybe you and John want to do a Power Station record or you want to do a solo record. He said, I just, you know, love your work. And, and, I'm like, and then, so when the CEO, there's only three labels in BMG. And he's really done a great job over there. And I, I, I kind of thought, when do you ever get offered a record deal at 56 years old? So the answer is really easy. <laughs> you know? Yes, sure. I, I, and I don't, I've always, you know, I, I kind of always kept my hand in. But I think my grandson was about three years old then. I was more, you know, I was a little bit more distant. I, I wasn't caught up in it. But as soon as that opportunity comes along, it's like lights go on, some flashing red. And I thought, are you going to go go down the rabbit hole? Because it's a big commitment. Because, I, you know, I can't start something and not fit. You know, I, I have to go all in. Um, and I had a kind of weekend. I just sort of sat and thought about it, really. And then on Monday, I was like, right, get the lawyers. Let's go. Nothing difficult about doing the deal. Nothing, you know, really. And I'm, I mean, that's the only space I can work in. Uh, you know, I can't. Uh, <laughs> the business has adjusted itself to something weird, but I still kind of try and want to work in the same space, which is in the room with people working, writing, 
arguing, loving, you know, fighting and trying to climb mountains when you're trying to get songs just to tick and click and, and work. But, you know, it's always a great, it's a thrill when you get offered a record deal. To me, still a thrill. And then I I, I did reach out to John. Um, I got quite a cold message back from his management. And I thought, okay, I'll just leave that alone. And I thought, well, put a record together. And I just kind of went down that track and started thinking. What I wanted to do was I didn't want to repeat anything I'd done. On a creative level, I'm not kind of a bringing the songwriters guy. I can't let myself off the hook. I can do that. But I don't really like writing alone. I'm not Damon Albarn, you know, here's here's my fucking misery. Pardon the French. Um, uh, uh, you know, and uh, and... And nor do I really want the credit for it or the criticism. Uh, it, uh, being a, being writing stuff on your own, which I've done a lot, is really lonely. Um, so I, I, you know, I need people in the room, and and then I just thought about, well, who are your really good friends who you've never really worked with? The people who you, you know, you can talk to and you can have conversations about songs and opinions and how you're gonna how you're going to word the lyrics and how you're going to get the flow and stuff and all that and have some people that you, you know, have a, a kindred kind of spirit with where you won't take the criticism harshly. You can work with it and go, are you real? Are you sure about that, Andy? You've got to be in the room with a person that can say that to you and you don't go, just shut up and don't talk to me. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. 
Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Andy Taylor. You've got to set the table when you make a record. And I'd spent all my life setting it for other people. And this is the first time I really set the table for myself and said, right, okay, this is how we're going to do it, right? I'm the executive chef, but I need a load of great cooks to come in and work with me and great produce, great skill, which is produces songs, you know, cooks or musicians, producers, the executive chef, you know, that kind of thing. And if you take that analogy of laying the table, laid the table for Rod, I've laid the table for Robert, for Simon, for Gary Stringer, you know, uh, 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 the thing, I've laid the table for a lot of people, but I'd never really done it for myself where it was like, you're not, it's your menu, you're not copying anyone, you're not following a formula, you're not trying to be like the restaurant up the road, you know? And it just allowed me to get into, to speak in, in, a, in, in a more um, more honest way, just, and and, and not, not think about the hook line as something that would be frenetically catchy, but I think that's the Bowie in me is you, you, you know, I mean, is there life on Mars? How, what is that a hook line? Well, yeah, if you let it. And so get, you know, recovering, recovering from the pop box. Cause when you brought up that way for many years, it is very, you know, it's very tight space to be in. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'd learned so much along the way from so many great people. You know, the Niles and Bernards of Rod, Robert, Rob Palmer was an amazing guy. That I'd sucked it all in. And I'd never really, I said, I'd never really used it on myself. I'd, I'd used all my skills and everything on other people, but I'd never really said, go on, be like that guy on the wall there. Prince, you, you know, give it all to yourself for once. Be greedy, you know, have it all. And then when you kind of slip into it, you're not being greedy. You're just being kind to yourself. You're being good to yourself. You, you're doing, you're getting the best out of yourself. You're allowing yourself to open up in a way that maybe you, I had blocked before. And as you get a bit older, you don't really give a shit. <laughs> That's the other, thing. you know, you can like, well, so what? <laughs> it's i'm not you know I, I i still have this i don't care how much dough you make if it's a crap album i don't want to do it i had this other thing i can't remember what age i got to it was like but don't leave any smells behind you creatively <laughs> you know you know like those horses that go around central park we've got them here and, that, and they drop turds don't leave a trail of creative turds <laughs> and so that was a kind of uh, uh, something that <laughs> I always kept in mind as well. Um, but, I, you know, Bowie, I th- particularly when he passed, 
Here's that because we we were all Bowie kids, Duran. That's the one thing you couldn't put a piece of paper between us. Uh, you know, different eras. Maybe you know, I'm, I I started eleven with Hunky Dory, but we were all really huge, but hugely influenced by Bowie and me by Mick Ronson. And when Bowie went, you know, I remember me and my wife, and she's, you know, we were the original Bowie kids. You know, when I was 11, I bought Hunky Dory. When I was 12, I bought Ziggy Stardust. We would have, you know, it, that was all the fabric of our school life was Slade and David Bowie. When he passed, I was, me and, I was with my wife, and we were like, and we were like, I said, right, let's just get champagne out and blast Bowie and get drunk. And I was like thinking, and I said to her, I said, you know what? I'm still around to do it. I'm still here. I can still do this stuff. And I had this kind of, you know, when someone's gone, you can emulate their style a little bit more. You, you, you know, it's like, I'm kind of like how brilliant he is. I love to talk about how brilliant Bowie is and how I could never have made this album without the influence of David Bowie. And I'm not a young man. I'm a proper Bowie fan. Born and bred Bowie. Born and bred Angus. <laughs> Born and bred Gary Moore. I'm pre-Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Bowie's who I listen to mostly. The uh, majority all the time. I'm I've been in the um station to station right now. That's 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 yeah, where I am right funny now. Funny enough, me too. Past past sort of six months, low heroes, station to station. I've been really getting into all that the Tony Visconti stuff. It's endless. And then you can just go back. Or then go and listen to the man who sold the world. And he was wearing a dress. Hey, kids, you didn't discover this. We would have, we did. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that Bowie interview that he did about the internet in 1999. Oh, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. It, it's the stunning prophecy. He literally described what's happening now. And that's where you, that's why the effect of him, you know, when you look at that literally, if you took that as uh, as a uh, a marker of his genius, that he wasn't a technologist, he was a songwriter. He explained the most advanced piece of technology humankind's ever had in terms of its you know its societal use. Twenty years before anyone knew what it was going to do, including Steve fucking Jobs. Amazing. So to be influenced by Bowie comes on so many levels. You know how he used to put lyrics together? And then you look at it and go, you don't have to. You, yeah, not cut them up, but don't worry about them making sense as long as they work for you. And that, you know, again, the, those, those creative influences, which, you know, went from, early 70s up to about 1979 and then i found duran but it was a great era to be a kid to grow up in to just absorb all this you know like i, I say it's when you do music you kind of channel things you know when someone plays the blues like bb king they're not copying them eric clapton's channeling them. You know, he wasn't the first blues player. He would he would be the first to admit it. But what he channeled out of players, you know, it's like I can remember watching Bernard Edwards play the bass. And 
I love playing a bit of bass. And Bernard was always my favorite. And I could get on the bass and I can literally, and he used to have this way of side tapping his foot. I'm doing it now. And I can kind of feel it in a way. And I know he's groove and stuff. You never get anywhere like where Bernard got. But I think, you know, that musical thing you have is like some people just have a, a, music, a brain, spongy brain for music. And you just kind of, it just all goes in you. Uh, and um, I got to a point where it, 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 it worked, you know, I turned it inward and it didn't kill me. And we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Andy Taylor. Hearing where you landed, and of course, you know, an artist takes what they see out in the world and and they bring it in. And so it's not surprising that, you know, a lot of these songs feel very poignant for our time, a reflection of what we see out in the world. You know, and and you'd brought up Duran and all that. I thought I thought it, it is interesting as I look back because, you know, there's that mythical lost album uh reportage. And it was supposedly a bit of dark political at times. And and it's almost like it's, a, you know, for us, for all of us that haven't heard that, I felt maybe this is something akin to that, if that makes sense. There was a song. I think the thing that triggered that and really pissed me off and everybody, but sort of led started leading to the red car- carpet mess up was that there was a song called Criminals in the Capital. And it was kind of tongue in cheek saying, there's criminals in the capital, right? And this was about the time when, uh, I mean, we've got the same thing now, whether it's BlackRock or Dick Cheney's mob, right? It's the same thing, right? Um, we started writing about stuff like that. And I was like, well, we were in our 40s, God's sake, you know, well, that, 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 anyway, the um, couple of nutters at Sony. Uh, these record company guys, what a bunch of psychos they are, some of them. They were like, you can't do that. And I'm like, what? Have you heard hip-hop? That is criminals. Well, at least we're not shooting each other and flogging, you know, crack. And they wouldn't release it. So and that really, I was like, well, what? Her name is Rio. You're 40-odd years old, right? But, but And Simon, one of them, He's one of the best read people I know. He's the only one in a band with a real library. You know, he, he studied Shakespeare. His lyrics are tremendous. I've always been blown away with his lyrical, the way, he, you know, it's very poetic. So there's this guy. He's trying to write something a little bit more than, you know, New Moon. I mean, they're great, but that's when we were teenagers. So when we started, got back together and started doing that, it's like, what do you expect from us? I used to go on stage and get shin splits, two and a half hour show, spend three hours in the bath. You know, you, it's like, oh, no. You know, it's like, you know, keeping your weight down gets harder as you get, you know, all that sort of stuff. But really, if we if that expectation of, what you should be doing in in early two thousands hadn't have been around, and we'd you know we'd have been we'd have been left we'd not been trying to be recreated. We probably would have made records more akin to Pink Floyd, and I thought that's where we should have you know I thought we should have went more down the nightboat, new religion side of the band. We'd learned a lot by then. All of us were very competent at what we did. 
by the time we were in our 40s. You know, so it wasn't that we just, but for some reason we thought we did. And I think there's so many great Duran Duran albums were never made because of chasing hits. Well, how many hits do you need before you know you've had a lot of hits? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're, I'm, I'm really glad you're getting to do that now because again, hearing you tackle this stuff and it's not without its own catchy moments. You, you know, I mean, uh, this will be ours. It's almost, almost got a little Bakersfield style in there at times. And of course you've got the great guitars of, uh, of getting it home, which, you know, there's that Ronson, a little bit of the move, you know, stuff like that in there. Like you, you're, it's, it's the, it's a beautiful balance of the heavy topics and you can still dance to it. Well, I think that was, again, you know, when you go back to the blues, the story's sad, but the music's uplifting. The story's real, but the music's, why do you play the blues? Because I got, I, I might have the blues, but when I play it, it ain't so blue. You know, and that's what music is. I might have a problem with something, but when I sing it, uh, you know, and it's not protest, it's enlightenment. It's like man's a wolf to man. It's like, do you realize what we're doing, the tribal aspect, right? That came from a, um, I would just, you know, the Google rabbit hole and that. And in the days when you could go on YouTube and find all sorts of weird shit, like you'd find these nutters saying, hey, the CIA can tap into your phone. And everyone thought he was lying, but it was true. <laughs> you know, I, I, but you'd find all this. in, And I came across, I, you know, I was, Brexit really, really affected me because I've got family that live in Europe and family that live in the UK. And when I saw that, how that went down and what was done in terms of division, Boris Johnson is a thoroughly you know, he really, really need. you know, thank God he's not there. He, this guy, before he went pro or not Brexit, he was a newspaper journalist. He wrote two opinions on everything. Why we should be in the EU, why we shouldn't. And politically, he used the one that was the most expedient for him to get power. Does that remind you of anyone? Well, apart from every president you've ever had, but the particular model of division, you know? So, and I would be, I was looking at it going, that's where the influential blondes come from, the um, Aryan race. I just couched it in what people would consider a stereotypical sexual co comment just to wind people up. Where do I watch out for the influential blondes, Aryan race? There's quite a few of them in Europe now. Got a strawberry one, got booked the other day, and we just got rid of Boris Johnson. The cult of personality in politics where people, it's like MMA. Politics is like MMA. We will literally smash each other's faces in to get one over on the other team. I, I You know, I'm staggered that Trump's the first one to get in criminal trial. Is he really just the first one? No. So man's a wolf to man is just a, a statement on how bad we've got, how we've regressed into this tribal thing. And so it goes back. It was a British philosopher, political philosopher, when, when I went down a rabbit hole one night. And you're just looking for, you know, when Google was fun and not branded full of news and all you get is 
echo chamber. And I came across this book by a British political philosopher, Hobbes. It's called Man's a Wolf to Man. I started reading what it was about. And it was about, essentially, he wrote it as that before Britain became a civilized democracy, it was it was built on, if we don't stop acting like packs of wolves, we're our own worst enemy, we'll kill each other, wipe each other out, right? So we civilized it with democracy in Britain. The monarchy stopped being, you know, in control in the sense where, and we formed a parliament. And from that, Britain, which was a very uncivilized, but you have to understand, Britain had enslaved its own people till the 13th or 14th century. 30% of British people were slaves to other British people. Well, English, right? Wasn't a very nice place. Not a bastion of democracy. Crazy monarchies. And we all know what they got, right? So that act of civilizing and, and, and de- 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 democratic parliament that came from that political, I think that political thinking of the time was, you know, we can't go on like this. We have to stop behaving like packs of wolves. And that was over 350 years ago. Now, as that dude said, who's number one all over the world, dollar ain't shit. It's true. Neither is the pound, you know? So what, how, how come we've screwed up? Because we're, you know, and everyone's kind of buying into it in one way or another, because if you're not saying it, you're tuning into it. I thought it was funny at first, a bit of a sport. And then I realized, shit, this ain't going away. I spread throughout Europe. And now, and no one wants to talk about it. If you really want to look at Ukraine, because I'm European, so I know where it is. That should never have happened. So now we're on the precipice of a war. And where fighting because of America over two old men and a comedian and a dictator. Man's a wolf to man. What a bunch of idiots we are for putting up with this. And my point is, can we just stop? We've got the disparity of poor and rich in the UK is the same as it was in Victorian times. Well, you know what happened in Victorian times. It was empire. Are we not? Is the British and American banking system nothing but an empire? Of course it is. Completely controls our lives. So unless we stop this, one mistake over a Ukrainian comedian? Really? I mean, is that... You're telling me the world is following and everyone's going, yeah, Zelensky. I got a lot of Polish friends. I work with a Polish band. They're all leaving. They're not going to Met Ball. They ain't going to String Fellows. <laughs> they're, not go- they're not going to a Michelin restaurant. They're all leaving. Disaster. And so from where we were seven years ago, we are in the shit. You know, I st- I have conversations with my Spanish friends, and I'm like, this time, you can go and fight them. <laughs> because the British, we've done enough. <laughs> You know, my generation is the first generation that didn't have to go to war in our country, right? Way before you lot ever got involved, right? We were at war, at war, at war. I come from a family that comes from the same town for over 300 years. My dad, my granddad, my great-granddad, my great-great-grandfather, right? I've had enough of it. I don't want to fight for anyone because it's bullshit. And look where we are. 
So the rise of the, you know, people say fascism, it's the cult of personality in politics, rich men in politics with a cult of personality. And why, as the two biggest songs in the world, because people should ask this question and not dismiss it, both country songs that are protest songs, Jason Aldean and the guy with a beard. You know how many he sold? And then people go, oh, and he said, hold on a second, you politics. Sling your hook, it's got nothing to do with it. He said, I'm, I'm quite, I, I believe in diversity, I believe in people. I don't believe in what rich men north of Richmond are doing to us. And is it poor men that are doing it? What, Biden's not on the fiddle? Are you kidding me? I don't know how badly educated people are in America, but an English lad who grew up in the rodeo many times, I look at it and go, give me a break, Hunter. I've met more Hunter Bidens than I can shake a stick at. Right? Coked up rich kids. Give me a break. And we're fighting over this. And you have to struggle to tell a song, right? Which some bugger or ban, if they knew what it was about. You know, I got banned from content in Canada for some of my song lyrics. They, they won't, the Canadians can't hear them because of that new law, that Justin Trudeau, whose mum was a Rolling Stones groupie. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what else there is to write about now because isn't is it, it, there's not the good times ahead. The good time we've got to stop the bad times, realize, understand what we're doing, and get back to the good times. And the protest has become a dirty word. Enlightenment. It's you know, there's a way people go race, race, race. Well, how if you just replace race with culture? you would have a totally different meeting point, right? So as a musician, it's always been a cultural thing for me. If it was a racial thing, it would be very exposed to all sorts of interpretations. And again, push, push race, push But How about shutting the fuck up about that and talking about the beauty of the interaction of culture, which is what our country is, what your country is, where all of our music comes from is from people from different cultures who happen to have different color skins, throwing a melting pot together and coming up with all this amazing music, right? You take any record and you'll find more diversity with it. And you can go back generally, you know, of every type of thing going on. And now it's been used to promote politicians. And you've got dumbass pop stars getting on stage and lifting their hand up. Well, culture's upstream from politics. And those musicians that do that, pop stars with audiences not old enough to vote, holding up the hand of a politician. Well, all you're doing is encouraging, you, to, you know, when you've got a platform, the last thing you do to me is say, go and vote for this one. They're just not quite as corrupt. And so when these other guys come down and so far, and Taylor Swift, to be fair, she kind of just like nailed everyone and said, I don't give a shit what any of you think. Scooter Braun, <laughs> sling your hook. Genius woman, right? Independently minded. She's kind of cut through the chaff of the business in a way no other female artist has ever done. Brilliant, because it is full of misogyny and dodgy executives who never get held to account, right? Uh, and 
going back to the reason why we couldn't release material or, or, or were censored, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me because you know, I noticed, you know, there was something wrong. And had Duran, you know, when we were never, we were never stopped when we were young. We were never censored. We were never told, no, don't have, don't have your gay friends in the video. No one said, no. I mean, if I don't know if you've ever seen the Some Like It Hot video, but, you know, Caroline Cossey played a major role in that. And that, you know, we, we, were, we, were, we were told not to release the power station because biracial bands wouldn't do. I am serious. We nearly fired Capitol Records. So, I, you know, I've seen it all, but I've never seen it as nasty and as bad and divisive and violent as it is now. So that in, that did inspire, you know, am I getting at home? You know, am I getting at home? Are you getting this? You know, we don't need a, an oasis reunion. We need a we need a cultural reunion and a little bit of consideration for the fact that, and it, you know, blame the rich man. Well, who's you know, where's all the money going? But, you know, and so so you wonder you wonder why music's just been turned on its head by one guy and I looked at the sales and they're embarrassing for every other artist out there. Why? So there was something that the public could attach their voice, their sentiment to in a song, right? We used to have lots of songs like that. I'll give you a great example. Orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Anola gay. You should have stayed at home. Yes. That was about, you shouldn't have went and flew and dropped that nuclear bomb. You should have stayed at home. That was a pop song then. That's about as ultimately as protestable as you can get about dropping nuclear bombs. Do you hear that in pop now? So we've lost, we've really lost it. And, you know, that, that, what could suddenly, you know, do you think a record label would know what to do with Bob Marley? If, if someone like Bob Marley came along now, right? It's <laughs> skanking, taking it slow to go. What do we do? White CEO. I don't know. Mr. Stockbroker. They wouldn't have a clue. And so, you know, in a sense, that kind of sums it all up where I think I'd rather, you know, I'd rather I'd rather fight with message than 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 pro than protest with a but it it, it does it does evoke a, what's going on now. It does evoke a real strong sense of um uh shame in a way but also fear and i've been i've been on the end i i nearly died and it still bugged me because i i was like i said to my wife i don't know what world i'm gonna leave you know what's gonna happen i also read that the safest place to be in the event of a nuclear war according to nostradamus was ibiza because it's true, if you read his prophecies, Abitha's, because Abitha has prevailing winds and therefore the nuclear fall, I'm serious, the nuclear fallout won't be as bad. So so I've been spending a lot of time. Go have some fun and doing the party raids. Well, Maybe. not so much the party, but just avoiding the nukes. <laughs> and and um, I think when I go back to what first inspired me to, it was culture. It was the culture of Birmingham, the club, the freedom, 
the diversity was and the musical diversity, not just the cultural diversity, not just the racial diversity, the musical diversity and all that. And I just see that it's been stripped out of our consciousness. We're all separated into you're this and you're that and you're, you know, well, how does anyone ever get together to fix everything if the most powerful men in the world keep falling over? And I'm not just, don't just mean physically, I mean literally everything they do. Uh, and 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 we just sort of take it. So more pro, you know. I think there'll be a lot more songs come out that are talking about the feelings of people and not just trying to make people feel good. I appreciate your commitment to it. I really do. It's a powerful record with "Man's a Wolf to Man." Andy, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it. Great. Thanks for letting me talk. <laughs> <laughs> My thanks to Andy Taylor for stopping by. His new record is called Man's a Wolf to Man. Thanks to you, of course, for checking out the, the series and the episode. Again, I do hope you hit that subscribe button. You're going to get three new interviews just like these every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists and discover those new ones. Again, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts from. That does include Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can grab us at NPR wfpk.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And after that, head over to wfpk.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You get four hours of classic tracks from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, you get the best in uh, new music. There's anniversary spins, lots of music news, bonus interviews. Uh, one of my recent episodes, uh, one of my recent shows had the music of R.E.M., The Smiths, Kate Bush, Middle Kids, Town Van Zandt, Jeff Buckley, Chairlift, U2, The White Stripes, The Struts, Liz Fair, Belly, Nirvana, Southern Culture on the Skids, Patti Smith, Peter Gabriel, The Foo Fighters, Death Cab for Cutie, Van Morrison, Wilco, Suicide, The Smashing Pumpkins, Beck, Biba Doobie, The Black Keys, Trombone Shorty, Radiohead, David Bowie, and my interview with Emily Kinney as we talked about her work in The Walking Dead and Masters of Sex, as well as her brand new album as well. That's just an example of what you get every weeknight starting at 6 p.m. at wfpk.org. Consequence, as your music and film news, you can also find me on the old social medias. Uh, any social media, the address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Consequence Podcast Network. Yeah, they do. Just a few. Thank you very much. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.